Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAs. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA, we've got a few recovery periods, we have your back, and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey guys welcome back to the ha podcast i'm excited to have farah here recovery story everyone's favorite type of episode um i wanted to invite her onto the show because i think she has a very relatable story um i think that she was extremely level headed and patient and methodical with everything that she did and it's just a good inspiration and role model and just has a really good story to share so welcome to the show farah 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we are on the clock to get this episode done within the next 25 minutes, which is a really short period of time. So will you do me a favor and just kind of dive into like who you are and what happened? Like, what's your story? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 30 years old. I'd say I've always been um, pretty active, like played sports in high school and stuff, but nothing like a elite athlete or anything like that. It was at least in my head, just thought, oh, it's healthy. I exercise every day. I eat pretty well. Um, my story really has a lot to do with the birth control pill too, because when I was about 15, um, my period started to get a little bit wonky, um, like kind of disappeared for a few months and then I would get one and then it'd be gone again. And my OBGYN then was like, oh, just take the birth control pill. It'll fix it. <laughs> and so I was put on the pill, you know, not at that time for preventing pregnancy, but just to quote unquote, fix my period. Um, but other than that, like before that, when I was 13, I got like my first normal cycle and it was pretty regular for those first two years until I was 15. I think that's when I did become a little bit more active with high school sports. So really I went from age 15 to 27 thinking I was totally fine, had no idea what HA even was. Um, and then when I was 27, married, um, was kind of looking back and being like, wow, I've been on the pill for 12 years. And I know most doctors say it doesn't affect fertility at all. Um, I'm not trying to get pregnant tomorrow, but probably want to try to get pregnant in the next handful of years. Maybe it's better if I just go off and am natural for a while. If my husband and I did get pregnant, not a big deal at that point. We've been married for a few years already. So came off expecting my period just to come like it did for my sister who went off the pill a few years before I did. Kept waiting, waiting. One month passed, two month passed, three month passed. Six months passed and I was like, okay, now I think something might be a little wrong. So go back to the doctor and they're like, okay, well, let's do some blood work and see what's going on. Did the blood work. Everything came back again, quote unquote, normal. Um, obviously like a few things were on the lower side of normal, like estrogen and LH, but still in that normal range. So the doctors were like, hey, we're not really sure. Everything's normal. Doesn't look like PCOS or anything like that. Um, oh, I also got a transvaginal ultrasound just to check there. Didn't have um, anything wrong there. Did not have polycystic ovaries. So they said, well, we're ruling out PCOS. We're not really sure why you're not getting a period, but it's not a big deal. Let us know when you want to get pregnant. We'll put you on Clomid. Ah. <laughs> yep. That was the advice they gave me and said, okay, bye-bye. So wild, <laughs> isn't it? That's crazy. That's crazy. So then from okay. there, I just started doing my own Googling, going down the Google rabbit hole, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and I did come across that book that everyone talks about by Nicola Rinaldi, um, No Period, Now What? Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, this can't be me because I'm not an elite athlete. Like I eat normal diet. I don't have a history of an eating disorder. I just was in such disbelief that my lifestyle was too intense. Oh, like even in reading that book, there was a piece of you that was like, I still don't feel like I fit this. Yeah. I think more oh, okay. and more as I got through the book, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe. I could see that. Um, especially with like, when I worked out, it was at 6am totally fasted and generally a hit workout. So some of that was like kind of written in the book too, of working out fasted is kind mm -hmm. of like the worst thing you can do for scaring your period away. Mm -hmm. So I kind of gave in, I was like, okay, well, let me at least give this a shot and see if it fixes it. And honestly, it it, I was really fortunate that I must've been kind of on the cusp already because after about, I think it was like seven or eight weeks, um, all in 
uh, my period came back. So my all in was stopped all my exercise. And I guess I should say for those like 12 years when I was on the pill, especially once I got out of high school, my workout routine was pretty much almost every morning, at least five days a week, a 6am workout, generally a hit workout or a run about like four or five miles. So to me, it didn't seem that crazy, but I think the timing of it and the fact that I really wasn't giving myself any rest days was probably a big factor for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I agree that you're like definitely in the moment. I remember there was a little bit for you of like, so how long should I try this before I go back to the doctor kind of thing? Like a little bit of skepticism at no point where you like, this is definitely going to work for me. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause I feel like uh, a lot of the stories out there, not all of them, there's definitely stories that are really similar to mine, but a lot in my head, at least seemed more extreme than me. Um, Mm. So, you know, being a marathon runner or having a history of an eating disorder, things that like, I just couldn't relate to. So I was like, I'm just living a healthy lifestyle. Like why is my period not coming? My whole family. Did you identify as being particularly lean? Um, not really. I mean, it's always in the normal BMI, Yeah, definitely on the lower end of normal BMI. Okay. But again, for 12 years, right. When I was on the pill, that had always been my size and it really hadn't changed much. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So then, yeah, you did sort of do the things, right. Increase food, reduce exercise. And the cycle just kind of came back. How, how long do you remember? Like, from when you made significant changes to when you got your period back, how long did that take? So I'd say there was two times during my journey where I made significant changes. Mm-hmm. Phase one was like totally by myself. And the changes were cutting out the exercise and just eating more volume of things I already was eating. Um, and it came back actually pretty quickly. Then it was like mm-hmm. eight weeks, but it never came back consistent consistently. It was like, okay, 45 day cycle. And then a really great, I thought 30 day cycle, but then it would disappear for two months again. And then it would come back again after one month. And it was just, I always felt like I was on the very edge. And even when I started to introduce exercise back, I feel like I was stressed in the back of my head of like, this is going to do it. It's going to disappear again. Yeah. So I never felt like I had solved the problem. Right. Okay. That was the first time. Then the second time, what were the, what was it? that you feel like were the, like that next phase of changes that you made that brought it back more consistently. So the second time was about like a year and a half, I think after um, I initially gone off the pill and semi fixed it on my own. And it really um, got started because at that point I was like, okay, now like I'm no longer wanting to get pregnant in a few years. I kind of want to get pregnant this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And Right. Of course, the month that I had planned in my head, okay, we're going to stop preventing and start trying period disappeared again. (laughs) So I actually went to my doctor. Um, They did some more blood work and they're like, well, you know, you might have subclinical hypothyroidism. So for this reason, we think if we give you some thyroid meds, it might help your period. And we also just think it'll put your body in a better place to get pregnant. So they put me on some thyroid meds, which literally made me crazy. Like Mm -hmm. knock on wood, I've been fortunate where I haven't had too much um, anxiety in my life. This was the worst anxiety I've ever experienced. I had insomnia for like seven weeks straight, couldn't sleep at all, just an anxious wreck. 
And that pushed me over the edge to be like, okay, I need like actually someone to help me and I can't do this on my own anymore. And I don't really feel like the doctors are understanding and they want to just go the medicine route, which after this experience with the thyroid meds, I want to at least try naturally. Um, so that's when I reached out to you and started our coaching sessions. Right. Yeah. So I remember this too. When we first met, you're like, I just got off these thyroid meds. I think I feel better. I'm sleeping better. <laughs> like, let's start again. Okay, yeah. cool. And so this was still, like I mentioned, I remember speaking to you and you were like, I'm still not hundred percent sure. Like, I feel like, you know, which, which I think is reasonable. Most people are holding on to a little bit of like fear or doubt that this is exactly what it is and that it could possibly be like so simple. Right. Um, so we, we made some, some basic changes. Do you remember or mm -hmm. additions? Do you remember what those were? Yeah. And I'll say, I think part of the reason why I still was so skeptical was because I mm. felt like, well, I did what the book told me to do. Mm. Like I ate more, I cut out exercise and yeah, the problem kind of got fixed, but it still didn't fully get fixed. So there must be something else wrong. Mm. Um, but then with meeting with you, I'd say the, the biggest change that I made because I was pretty much pescatarian for the last handful of years was introducing a lot more animal protein. So having animal protein every day, all types, you know, chicken, beef, everything that then before I was pretty much having like maybe one piece of salmon a week. And that was about it in terms of animal protein. Um, so that was like a massive change. And I'll say the pescatarianism for me, um, partly of course, thinking about like the animals and trying not to do, um, that much damage to other wildlife. But a lot of it was like, I felt like society just said, oh, the healthiest diet is plant-based. So that's kind of what I had in the back of my head. And then talking to you is very illuminating of like, oh, maybe that's not the case. And I still, again, was skeptical about it, but I was willing to give it a shot because it was a diet that I literally hadn't had for over a decade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those ones where people are just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's all you got. <laughs> Especially like fattier cuts of meat. Like yeah, I would never think at. to buy chicken thighs over chicken breasts. Like why would I get the fattier cut of meat? Like that just mm -hmm. never crossed my mind. So it was a complete shift. And I think because I had the motivation behind me of like, I want to get pregnant. I was a little bit more willing to do it than I would have been like a year or two before that. Um, but yeah, I'm so thankful I did. Cause I truly believe the biggest thing that impacted me getting better cycles was the animal protein for my body. Yeah. I love it. I love when it's something that is, uh, kind of easy, right? Yeah. So it's like nice and easy. So, but it, you know, so you got your cycle back. I feel like it wasn't long, like maybe two months, two months or yep. yeah, two months, um, which is freaking awesome for it to just like come back and then it came back the next month right yeah exactly on time and I will month. say too um so before I kind of could track ovulation just based on discharge and never did temping when we started working together I actually started temping mm -hmm. um but even just thinking back to like my last patterns my luteal phases I think were around like five six days even when I got my cycle back uh by myself we started to work together. I think it started the very first one, even I want to say was like nine days, eight, yeah. nine days. And then the next one, I think was 12. And then the next one. Yeah. You forever. literally progressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You literally, it was still high because you're pregnant, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. How many weeks are you right now? Um, 19. How are you feeling? 
good knock on wood second trimester like as everyone says it's the glory days so <laughs> it's been good and how's the skin that improved a ton in second trimester so yeah another part of my story is I don't remember ever having acne maybe a little bit when I was like 12 or 13 and I went on the pill and literally didn't even think about acne or skin issues that whole time I was on the pill and then I came off and about six months later like total uh, teenage acne just breaking out all over, um, especially on my forehead, a little bit like on my chin area, but way more on my forehead, which is kind of weird because I feel like people think uh, hormonal acne is generally like in the chin area. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely are one of the people that's made me want to kick, keep looking into it and, and being mm-hmm. like, you know, most people are reporting some kind of skin challenge, um, but it was like, particularly annoying for you and you were just like if this doesn't get resolved yeah <laughs> I'm gonna find me some ant like you know some pharmaceuticals which is totally fair enough but it, it definitely made me be like yeah, you know man this is like a big this is a big deal for a lot of people so mm-hmm. so let's find out about it but it's very cool to see how like the that pregnancy and that like rise in progesterone appears to be very linked for you and you have a history of low progesterone that like you kind of have to work hard at so hopefully um, you know, just as you. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy, this is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it and we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA, and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be.
That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Get like more and more months and years under your belt of like eating in this way that you've kind of seen helps works best mm-hmm. for your body that, that that you can just ride that wave because there's definitely an yeah. element of it that's just like consistency right you don't have ha for years and then eat differently for one month and and everything just like right yeah but exactly yeah and I think if I look at it totally objectively like if someone else was having this challenge and they were telling me about it as a friend I would be like, Hey, your body just needs time. Like you pretty much bypassed puberty the first time around. Cause they put you on the pill when you were only 15, but when it's you yourself and you just have mm-hmm. all these emotions tied to it. And my job is in sales. So I'm like in front of people all the time. So, and again, a problem that I didn't deal with from age 15 to 27, is just a brand new one that cropped up. Um, it's been a really big challenge. I keep trying to be patient and kind of know that so many other things have been fixed by kind of changing my lifestyle and diet that I do truly believe this will eventually fix itself to beyond pregnancy. Um, but just need to be patient. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's like definitely a word to that. Like patience, patience. Yes. Mm -hmm. I want this now, but patience, but, but overall, you know, the, your body was super responsive to the changes you made. Um, and it, it responded quick mm-hmm. and it was nice and straightforward. And I, I wanted to have you on the show to share your story because I truly think that the vast majority of cases can be resolved rather straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's belief system shattering, things like that. Yes. But it is relatively straightforward. And I've heard you be like, I just, I still can't get over like this whole protein thing. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely I feel like it's easy for me now. Right. I I feel so fortunate, accomplished, like the goal, um, I'm pregnant now, but it's not all rainbows and butterflies through the journey at all. Obviously had to deal with the the weight gain. And I think, again, you kind of hit on it. It was even, I think maybe I didn't notice the weight gain as much because I was dealing with the skin in things is just like completely um, blew my mind it was so challenging to cope with but it is just kind of sh- shattering everything you believed and then change no matter what it is is really hard so when you see like your favorite jeans not fitting the same way like that's really hard when you feel like I have to put on a ton of makeup when I never wore makeup on my skin to feel okay that's really hard so the, just all the changes that happen to your body and your belief system I think that's the hardest thing to cope with but I think remembering that this is science-based like there's so many other girls like me who have gone through this and made it to the other side and to your point generally like if you follow through it is straightforward as long as you keep that patience in mind yeah and that and that consistency mm-hmm. yeah that's a big one so looking back at the like the first time you looked into this you're like I don't really fit like this description I feel like I, I'm not that active and I don't have mm-hmm. like my relationship with food doesn't seem that strained. Now that you are over here on this side, how do you look back at that? Like, do you see it in a different light or do you still have that same perspective? I definitely see um, some tendencies that I had that I would say like weren't healthy. And in the mindset that I had before, maybe I actually thought it was healthy. Like I always had these rules in my head of like, oh, well, it's not lunchtime yet. So I shouldn't be eating rather than just like eating when I'm hungry or um, 
feeling like if there was one day that I didn't exercise, like I just felt awful. Like I couldn't deal with it. It was just a bad day if I didn't have time to exercise that day. Now, like if I'm busy and don't work out, it's literally no big deal at all. It doesn't even phase me. And I think I also thought like my body was so fragile to change. Like, again, if I didn't work out every day or if I ate bad food more than just on the weekend, one week that I would like balloon up and gain 20 pounds in one week. Like that, that's like the feeling that I had about my body. And maybe a little bit of it was the case because like, I wasn't consistently just nourishing and taking care of myself. Mm. But at now at the point that I am, and obviously like I'm pregnant, so I'm gaining weight <laughs> from that respect. But I feel like the month before I got pregnant, I just felt like my body felt very stable. Like it didn't feel like it was on the edge of losing a period or on the edge of gaining a ton of weight or losing a ton of weight. It just mm. felt stable, which was really nice. Would you connect a lot of that with um, sort of like your, your headspace around, you know, you know, it's 11 o'clock, but I'm hungry. So I'm going to eat like being able to do things like that. Would you connect like less anxiety around those things with? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I think the more you do something, the less scary it becomes. And obviously like, I think it's almost virtually impossible to get your period back without gaining some weight. Yeah. I think while you're gaining the weight, it's really hard, but eventually you kind of hit your, your happy point. Right. And then you're again, not so fragile where you're fluctuating weight a ton. And once you get to that point and you realize like, I can have a snack late at night or I can skip a workout and my body is not going to change on me. Like we're at homeostasis mm. right now. And that was just really nice. Cause again, the hardest part for me was that change was constantly happening. So when change wasn't happening, it was kind of like, ah, oh, okay. We made it. <laughs> yeah. I think that helped too with that. We weren't approaching your recovery from like, hey, how much food can you eat? Mm -hmm. It was more like, well, how can we remineralize? Like, what are you right. just missing? What do you need to include more of? And like you, you were saying, like becoming aware of those food rules that you do have. Mm -hmm. I was just chatting before our call with another um, client and we were talking about how like I know it sounds woo-woo but the brain knows your intentions behind your actions it's like uh the the hypothalamic menorrhea right the hypothalamus is constantly surveying and taking in information around everything from like what's happening in your environment to what's coming into your body to what are you thinking about and what are your intentions? And it, that is what sends the instructions to the pituitary gland. And he is the guy who, you know, makes the hormones do their thing. So that when, when you consider there's a part of your brain, that's just like literally surveying what's going on in your thoughts and your environment and around you, it makes sense that like your food rules and things are actually contributing to your body like holding back on you a bit but when totally. you can be like look I'm hungry it's 11 o'clock or it's super late at night and it feels weird to eat right now but I'm just gonna do it because these rules are arbitrary you let that happen you see it wasn't scary you do it again like that is eventually sending the signal to your brain that you're looking for right I mean, I think my whole mindset on food has shifted. Like, mm. I feel like before it was almost like less is more and, mm. you know, you just need enough to get by and that's about it. And the whole country's getting obese. Like, I don't want to get obese. Like, that's kind of right. like 
how I thought about food. And now it's like food is fuel. Like I want to get as many nutrients as possible, get lots of protein, fat, carbs, a mix of everything. Like it's no longer thinking about, well, how many calories could this be? It's like, how nutritious is this? And how do I make it more nutritious? That was good. That, yeah, so true. So true. I love oh, that. And I, I should like also um, make the point around food again. So about like a year and a half ago, I annually have to get my cholesterol check just for like my insurance to get that discount. And my okay. cholesterol was like one point, the bad cholesterol was one or two points higher than what they recommend. So the doctor was like, I mean, it's fine. Like just uh, watch your diet again, like saying like, watch your diet, don't eat fatty foods. <laughs> was his advice yeah. And now um, then I met with you a couple months after that. So for a good probably six months or maybe seven um, before I took my blood work again for the next year's uh, insurance, my cholesterol, after eating a lot more fatty meat, like always getting fatty cuts of meat, eating lots of red meat, having eggs pretty much every day, my cholesterol is like smack dab in the middle of normal now. Isn't that amazing that it's not actually got anything to do with eating right? That blew my mind. I thought that was insane. Yes. Y'all, it's actually the low estrogen that's causing the elevated, like the flagging cholesterol levels. Eat the food, nourish the body. Mm -hmm. The reproductive hormones will balance out and cholesterol will come back looking good and you'll get the discount that you need for (laughs) insurance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I and love. I guess story. the other thing that self-corrected itself also is the thyroid. Like I'm no longer oh, yeah, subclinically hypothyroid either. That same set of blood work. Um, actually, no, it was a different set from a different doctor. My OB was like, "Well, in your file it says you have subclinical hypo- hypothyroidism, so let's just check that to make sure we don't need to medicate while you're pregnant." That came back totally normal. Nice. Mm-hmm. See, there's an alternate timeline where you went and did fertility treatment and needed Mm -hmm. to keep an eye on the cholesterol and needed to take thyroid medication. And this is a scary timeline (laughs) is a reality for a lot of people. So it's like food comes first, even, and I know we've talked too about how like you've had friends that you've kind of come across or noticed or struggling with certain things here or there, regardless if it's AJA, you can kind of see how like it's all similar. It's just manifesting in different ways. And it's like, you can see in your friends and family, how their behaviors might be impacting their health and fertility too. I, I know that's been a thing for you. <laughs> yeah. I feel like once you know it, you just see it so mm-hmm. much more. Again, that 12 years that I was on the pill, I feel like I just was up girl things and I've heard met two other friends just having moved to Denver about a year and a half ago that, um, oh yeah, my period disappeared. My doctor fixed it by putting me on the pill and they're still on the pill. So that's just like, they think the problem's fixed and other people who are having trouble getting pregnant and it kind of manifests itself differently. So we've talked about this. It's almost a little bit of a blessing when you have HA because it's so black and white and clear yeah. that there's a problem. But there's people who are cycling normally every 30 days, but they're not falling pregnant. And I think a lot of it could be the same reasons that we get HA, same nourishing and too much exercise. Yeah, the stress has just caused, like, or the lifestyle factors have just caused different issues, but they're still similar lifestyle factors in many ways. So true. And yes, HA is a blessing for a lot of people like for everyone it's a totally normal function 
of the body. It's not a disease state or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So like that's a huge checkbox and it's black and white. You don't have a cycle. So it's like, there's nothing, there's no, there's just like, not, there's no other direction you can go in. Right. Point, exactly. Right. Like it just, it just is. So you got lucky in the sense that you Googled and found the information you were looking for that like led you in that path. Um, but yeah, you're just like, you're just awesome. And you just crushed it. And I love your story. <laughs> and I love clients like you too. <laughs> just like, well, I just feel so, okay. honestly, I felt like, um, oh, it's just so simple. I could fix this myself, but I think just having someone who's been through it and who can coach you through it and has more background on like the science of how you can change your diet to really improve it and customize it for you and not just, Hey, go eat more cake. Like, <laughs> cause that's probably not going to do it for a lot of people. So I'm just so thankful that I found you through this podcast yeah, and yeah. got your help because again, the alternate timeline, like that was going to become my reality in like a few months. <laughs> Right. Yeah. This is so much cheaper, less invasive and yes. <laughs> and fun. Well, thank you so much for sharing a story with a bunch of people. I hope that they like hear and connect with a lot of the things you said, right? Like I don't, I didn't feel like I matched that description all that much. And uh, like, that's just really helpful for, for a lot of people listening to just like see themselves in your story and know that it can be simple if you just like commit enough to the process. So thank you. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you have a really great day. And please keep me updated about the baby. And I want to see the, the baby. <laughs> um, and when you, when you need to chat about your postpartum period, if you ever do, you just shoot me an email. Oh, I, I will be. <laughs> I got you back. I got you back. All right. You have an amazing weekend. And we'll speak soon. You too. Thanks, Farah. Bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. 
So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period, and if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. 
Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.